podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the season review um, exclusively on AI Pro Plus. I hope you have been enjoying these podcasts. I have had so much fun listening to so many of our contributors give their thoughts on a remarkable season. And uh, today um, uh, I've got another treat for you. Um, it's um, a couple of special guests. But first up, I am delighted to be joined by the boss so I'm going to be on my best behavior but you know <laughs> better, better improve my hosting skills because he's probably watching me and listening to me um uh, quite intensely it is uh we call him the king of Scotland uh literally one of the most nicest people you'll ever come across it's Mr Eddie Gibbs welcome to the show Hello, Nina. The, the boss and the King of Scotland, that they, they, they've got to be Anfield Index exclusives because certainly <laughs> no one no one where I live calls me that and no one in my house calls me that. So it's, a, it's an Anfield Index exclusive, those two names. It is, it is indeed. And you know what? Everyone deserves to have their ego massaged once in, in a blue moon. And Anfield Index <laughs> is certainly the place for you and Discord as well. So Eddie, um well, um, let's let's just crack on with this. Um, you know, gotta treat you like I treat everyone else. Um, we we want to get some gold from you. So, um, it's been a season, and um, I want to get your thoughts in terms of um, you know, we've had a moment to step back, pause, reflect. What have you made of um, what you know? What are your takeaways from the season? You know, your thoughts. Well, the big takeaway goes back to something Harinda said to you about uh, the fact that it was so liberating to have fans at football games again, because mm-hmm. that fear of uh, going back to that sort of empty stadium, sort of soulless bowl type of football didn't appeal to me at all. So the fact, first and foremost, the fact that the season was able to take place with fans in stadiums throughout was the uh, was the most redeeming thing, regardless of anything that happened on the pitch, because I think that sort of humankind football fans we we need that you know what i mean that's that's part of the game and uh i don't think uh, that without fo- without fans football is nothing was ever truer in that period where fans weren't at the games because it it, it wasn't nice to watch and i know we were when that first started obviously uh, we were going for the title so it was uh we were kind of wrapped up in that but seeing that season where our form kind of fell off with the injuries and the uh and and the fans not being in the stadium yeah. to kind of appreciate that this great team that we have, that was horrible. And so this season, the most important thing for me and the big takeaway was seeing fans back in the uh back in the back in the stadiums. 
no absolutely i couldn't agree more and I, and i know that this time of the you know when it's off season they kind of show football and last um the, you know like this summer the summer just gone not this summer the summer just gone they were showing games from the season where football was behind closed doors and i was like that just feels so weird and it was completely soulless so i i completely get it and um yet um uh, the atmosphere the fans and and even more important with the kind of season that the Reds have had, right, um, Eddie, in terms of like, you know, challenging on all four, um, on all four fronts. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we'd have wanted to miss that, would we? I don't think that mm. I think I think that all added to the spectacle of yes. what I think was a truly tremendous season. I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, you know, like when we've seen in the past and the cups have the domestic cups haven't been taken seriously and we were yes. all kind of on board with that you know what i mean we knew that there was a bigger picture that in terms of the big two that that Klopp was so focused on and we didn't have the resources that some of our some of our competitors had so we were always on board with not doing the domestic cups so to to not just do them but to win them both this year to do it in front of fans and one of the things that i've always felt as a football fan is that the, the the horrible thing about not being involved in title races and not being involved in domestic cups at the later stages is that you feel your team you're missing out on watching your team you almost sort of feel cheated do you know what i mean if you get knocked out in the third or the fourth round of the fa cup you think oh there's so much more of the season i could have been watching my team and if your team's got a blank weekend or they haven't got a game then you feel kind of you're missing out and i think that's the biggest disappointment about not being involved in the final stages of things and we were literally involved in everything. We never missed a single match. Liverpool played every possible game. So as fans, I think that's what you you really want. And that's why, well, says disappointment of missing out on the league and the disappointment of missing out on the Champions League. The fact that you were there right to the end means that we saw our team play in every possible game that they could. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know what I mean? And it's small margins. It's very fine margins that have, in the end, decided that it was only two trophies and not four. But I, I think it's a season that we'll never forget. I completely agree with you there, Eddie. Um, not a true word spoken, you know, a remarkable season. But if you had to pinpoint and you had to pick a favourite match, could be from any of the... Yeah, I've heard... <laughs> I've heard you speaking to other people. And I, I, I mean, there's a few obvious choices, obviously, that the, the Man United 5-0, the... Uh, the, the uh, beating Everton in the derby so convincingly. There's... Uh, Obviously, the, the the European run as well, but the one I'm going to pick is the uh, is the League Cup final, and I didn't think I would say that when uh, when we first started uh, coming up with the idea for this show. But it was a game that I was at. It was a game that I travelled down to with Greg and uh, and I saw Gags and I saw Harinda and I saw Cam, and it, it was the first time I've really uh, been able to feel part of going to a game again, and that that was so special. And the fact that we got the result and the penalties dragged out so long. And to have gone down to London, it's the first time I've really travelled outside of Scotland since the whole COVID nonsense. And uh, it was uh, it was great to just feel feel human again, if you like, and to go and support your team and see your team winning trophies and to celebrate properly. No, that that that's the one that that's the absolute standout for me was the uh, was was the League Cup final. I like that, and I think a lot of people will pick that. And it, um, it was the start of the journey as well. You know, the first domestic cup, and you know, uh, people really started believing, and it gave the fans such a bounce and obviously seeing your team in a cup final Wembley and obviously like I said packed you know packed out stadium the atmosphere and obviously you meeting up with um, you know your friends since the pandemic and you know um, uh, yep I like that and of course you know uh, I think the plenty shoot out and uh, 
you know, Thomas Tuchel um, and his uh, <laughs> tactical sub there, you know, that will live long with, with many, many Liverpool supporters. Right, Eddie, so that was your favourite match, a favourite moment from the season. It can be on-field, it can be off-field, the world is yours, basically. <laughs> well, the, the moment I'll pick is from the game that I probably would have picked, which was the uh, the Man United game uh, at Old Trafford. And it, at the moment, I would pick is Salah's hat-trick, Salah completing that hat-trick, mm-hmm. because uh, that was the, that was the, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen now. I know the game itself doesn't happen. 5-0 against Man United doesn't happen. But that absolute blitzkrieg of blowing away your biggest rivals, Mm -hmm. literally blown away in the first half, completely blown away. And uh, that hat trick, I I was almost tempted to go for the Bobby Firmino-Watford one, but it's just on such a low level compared to what Salah did to them. And I've got a bit of a backstory to that one. What what, uh, with the the Man United one? Now, what tends to happen with these things is that my family tend to book things with kids that I then invited to go to and you feel compelled to go to. So I was in the Edinburgh Playhouse watching a Christmas pantomime when that game was on and I managed to smuggle my phone down the side and have my earpiece in on the side right at the wall where no one could see I was watching the game dimmed the brightness the kids enjoyed the pano no one knew I was watching the match and uh, I managed to see that hat trick in all its glory so I've got a little bit of a a little bit of a covert story into how I watched that game but that was my favorite moment because I'm so glad I didn't miss it did you kind of act a bit like erratic when like like randomly just start celebrating for nothing like how do you keep your composure in that, in that moment <laughs> well, what, what happens is they tell a really silly joke on the stage <laughs> so you're like <laughs> and people really thought I was getting excited for some of those jokes <laughs> oh my god that's so funny well Lisa Marie if you're listening and you have all those dance recitals do what Eddie gives there. Look at us at Sherry. I heard, I heard her saying that earlier, and yeah. that's what brought that that memory flooding back when I listened yeah. to Lisa speaking about her one. I love that. Yeah, Salah scoring a hat trick against. And the worst thing was, Nina, the the, the, the pantomime ended at half time, and I got back on the train. It was a tram in Edinburgh, and I was headed to the car park. I, I didn't see one goal live. Not one of the all the goals happened while I was in that pantomime watching covertly. Then when I could watch openly on the tram with my phone right in front of me and the sound coming out of it, we didn't score a single goal. There was a Cristiano Ronaldo offside one, I think, and then there was yes. I did see the sending up the, the Pogba sending off live. But yes. that so so that the, the whole experience of that game makes it my favourite moment. I like that. And a lot of people have picked that. And I think just, you know, disposing of Manchester United 5-0 like that, like they were nothing, is uh, I think that will, you know, that goes down as like an iconic game period. Forget the season. Um, Obviously, you've listened to these podcasts and obviously you you know everything. And obviously, I missed that game. But for me, my favourite one was the 4-0 because I actually got to enjoy that one. Yeah. Right, I am going to take you on an emotional roller coaster, Eddie, because this is what we do on here. So your worst match. Now, again, I've heard a few of these shows already and one of mine would have been the same choice. And I can't remember who exactly who said it, but for me, the worst one was that it wasn't one of the defeats. They were both galling, but defeats always are. But it was the one at Spurs. It was the uh, the fact that we had kind of seen what was happening with COVID. We were a little bit decimated. Tyler Morton had to play that game. Harry Kane should have been sent off. There's, there's, Spurs could have been a couple up before that even happened, but they weren't. He should have been sent off. Liverpool should have had a blatant penalty on Jaw. And to me, that was that was almost like, it shows how early I wrote off the season, but to me, that was almost Liverpool aren't winning this league. There's no way we're winning this league because too much is going against us. And I think it just got compounded in that Christmas period where Man City went and got that really lucky result at Arsenal. And then not long after that, they got that 
that, that they got that fluky penalty against Wolves and everything just seemed to compound against us. So the worst game for me was the Tottenham one because it kind of made me think we're not winning the league this year. And uh, and I know that was quite early in the piece, but that was the one that really, it, it made me, you know, I, I judge a worst game on what makes you feel angry for a few days afterwards. Mm. And that one really made me feel angry. I thought, Paul Tierney and David Coote and all these guys, they were just they were just against us, you know what I mean? And I just felt the whole thing was rigged. And that's why that game in particular is the one that rivals with me now we're at the end of the season. Usually I have such a good memory with like our guests and what they've said. And somebody did mention the Spurs game. I think they gave it an honourable mention. I can't think of who. It might have been Lisa Marie. Um, I'll have to lis- listen, listen back to some of them and uh, figure that out. But no, that is a great shout. Um, uh, I like the diversity of what people pick and obviously where their low points were. Mine was a very, very obvious one. It was a Leicester one, but I like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I think we drew, to, we drew to Spurs and then we kind of, um, I think we lost to Leicester, obviously. And then I think we also had like the, that horrible draw against Chelsea as well, where we threw away a two-goal lead. So, you know, yeah, like, we that had like just... a little around the yeah. same time yeah yeah so and yeah. i think it was i think lisa the, all the reasons lisa gave for the uh, leicester one i had as well that was probably going to be my first choice originally but then, then i thought to myself what what really grinded my gears mm. uh the most and it was the spurs one but the leicester one for all the reasons she gave i mean we were just clear favorites to win that game they had just been absolutely smashed by man city and you yeah. and they were absolutely threadbare and we were we had been rested everything was in our favor and then we went and lost there. So I suppose there's not much in between them, but I'll just go with the Spurs one because it, that happened before Leicester. And yes. it almost put me, it put me into a mindset where where I really didn't want to be at that that time of the year. Yeah. No, I like that. It's, it's a good shout. And um, okay, so that was your worst match, worst moments from the season. I mean, there's a few obvious ones, obviously, mm-hmm. but the uh, I think the worst moment, of the season for me was around 20 minutes to go in the Champions League final and almost accepting that these mentality monsters, these guys that have come back from all these goals down in the past few games, I just was almost resigned to the fact on 70 that it wasn't going to happen. And that, that was horrible because it almost Mm -hmm. put you into a state of catharsis for the, uh, for the last 20 minutes of a Champions League final. And again, you shouldn't be like that. Now I know there was a lot of other reasons why the atmosphere was a bit subdued, obviously in that stadium in Paris, but that last 20 minutes of that match Mm -hmm. was, uh, was probably my worst moment of the season because I just, I mean, they always say as long as you've got hope, there's a, there's something. But I, I kind of, for the first time this season, really lost hope. You know, I mean, that this great team, probably almost certainly the greatest team I've ever seen play for Liverpool, weren't going to be able to climb that mountain one more time. And it just never looked like happening. No, I get you. I, I felt that as well. And, you know, Courtois having one of them games and obviously um, Liverpool going into that game and the the attack were not their usual, you know, um, rampant selves, you know. Um, uh, so, you know, we really need to be clinical and we were just kind of losing that cutting edge up top. Yeah, I think that's where yeah. you're right in what you're saying because we've not we've not really had to rely on miracles, have we? We've very, mm-hmm. very much been methodical in the way that this club team goes about winning games. Mm-hmm. They've had to come back from goals down, sure, but I don't think we've needed as many miracles. Like, obviously, we had Barcelona a couple of years ago and we've had the Origi moments, the miracle moments that he's delivered. But this isn't a team that's had to really deliver miracles. And we needed a miracle yes. that day and it never, it just never came. And uh, 
and we weren't our methodical selves uh, the machine like mentality yes. monsters and there's got to be an element of mental and physical fatigue and why that happened yes. but with, with 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 what was on the with, with what was at stake but just that last 20 minutes probably worst moment of the season because it felt like this is the end of the season we're not going to see this team play for a little while we're all mm-hmm kind of emotionally exhausted and this team can't jump this hurdle you just never felt they were going to jump that hurdle and that's a really good shout because that is one thing that you never ever say about Liverpool it's not over till it's over you know like you know we've had we've had those Olympiacos moments you know like (laughs) you you know you hold on to the very end and the fact that there's 20 minutes to go and you felt that way I I think that is a, a and I think a lot of people were just like just shaking their heads like yeah it's not gonna it's it doesn't look likely right okay we've done that we've done that now we're not gonna go there um <laughs> eddie uh back to some more positive and upbeat stuff uh i told you I'm, <laughs> you're gonna, age and you're gonna, you're gonna become youthful again player of the year if the king of scotland can give an award to anybody from this team i mean you know there's been so many great 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 performances and great you know peaks throughout the whole season but consistently for you who would it be and why? I, it's funny that you use the word consistently because it's uh, it, that really is what should define the player of the year. But on the heights that he reached in that first half of the season, that has mm-hmm. to be for me, Mo Salah, because mm-hmm. I don't think any of this is possible with what without what he did. And we'd have been even further back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In the league, yeah. we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have been in with a chance. And uh, what he achieved, he, I mean, he was, he was by far and away the best player in the world for that, uh, for that few months. And uh, that, that, and uh, I mean, the football writers have made him their player of the year. The PFA have made him their player of the year. He he is Liverpool's player of the year. And I know I accept all the honourable mentions that others have given you on these shows. There's been some really good shouts, but for me, he's just far and away the player of the year. I just don't think there's any, I just don't think there's any other contenders this year. And I know people haven't all wanted to say the same thing so they've come up with some uh some other suggestions and they're, they're, they're very well made points but for me it's most Salah. yeah it comes to something doesn't it when like you you can pick anybody and uh you know like we've had so much diversity on 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 the player of the season for people and you kind of nod and that just shows where this team is in terms of like we don't rely on one man or you know like there's there's talent throughout and I, I agree, you know, like I, I have to say, you know, Mo Salah at the start of the season was absolutely exceptional. And yep, when he came back from Afghan, he probably wasn't scoring as much, but his goal involvement was still decent. He was still assisting, yeah. he was still a threat, you know, he just wasn't putting them in, um, you know, into the back of the net. And um, yeah, I think a few people have picked um, Mo Salah. I think, um, I think our good friend Gags Tandon picked him and, and a few others. So, you know, it's it's a really, really good shout. And, um, you know, zero complaints from me here in terms of, you know, whoever you guys pick. Eddie, this, I'm actually really interested to hear. When I when I came across this question, now that I can't wait to speak to Eddie because Eddie listens to everything. <laughs> Eddie, um, uh, your favourite AI podcast that you've enjoyed listening to slash taking part in? Well, I haven't taken part in many, and there's uh, a lot of reasons for that. That uh, I still, <laughs> and you know this as well as anyone else, I still do an Anfield index work every single day. It's not that mm. uh, I just don't have the time to be on as many shows as I used to, and that's a there's a mixture of factors there to do with family stuff and to do with uh, to do with day job stuff that are not allowing that. But I do hope that there'll come a time where I can podcast as much as I used to, and uh, I'll look forward to when that day comes. But in terms it. of listening. in terms of listening i I have as ever listened to pretty much everything that's been out and i think you guys have you guys have done amazing you guys uh, do these regular shows that uh that 
are based around matches, whether they be previews like Rival Recon that Harry does or Scouted that Carl and Dave do or the, the, the post-match shows that yourself and all your guests do or Trev, Dave and uh, Carl and these guys do with Raw or the Rate Don't Hate that Tadiwa and Guy do. The, 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 the amount of matches you've had to cover this year, the listeners have certainly had the, some bang for their buck in all that because it's been like a treadmill, you know what I mean? To actually have to work around these matches is truly incredible and uh we probably don't do it enough, but I, I, I think we have to thank all our uh, all our podcasters for for the effort that they made this year because it was it was absolutely incredible the, the 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 churn of work and to keep the standards as high as they were throughout has uh, truly amazed me. I've really enjoyed listening to these podcasts and it's a bit massive part of my life. I, I, it's one thing that I wouldn't give up, and it's kind of one saving grace of having a dog again is that I have to walk a lot and I have to listen to a lot of podcasts. And as many people know, I don't listen to them at single speed because if I did, I'd never get through them. So <laughs> yes. when I when I when I come on these shows and you guys all speak in your normal voice, it feels like I'm missing out. <laughs> it feels like you should be speaking faster. <laughs> but if I had to pick one and I'm going to go with one that's quite fresh in my mind uh, mm-hmm. because I do listen to so much and it's not that it's not that the quality is not equally there across the shows but it's the it's the Scouser Tommies that uh, Jim did with Jay Reed just a couple of weeks ago after Paris where Jay yes. really laid down his Paris stories and the real huge I spoke right at the start about enjoying this season most first and foremost because the fans were back in the ground and to see how the fans were treated there and to see those guys give that local take from Liverpool on what happened there and Jay's experiences and Jim's previous experiences and things like that. That one really struck a chord with me. And I don't often listen to our podcast twice. That's one thing I will always say. I know you mentioned there that you're going to go listen back and confirm some thoughts on previous versions of these shows. It's something that I never do. I'm kind of like that with TV and movies as well. Once I've seen it, that's it done on to the next thing. And, uh, and that podcast I did listen to twice because I wanted to make sure I listened to it so carefully. And I, mm-hmm. and I did reduce my speed, not down to one, but to 1.5. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, that that show really struck a chord with me. And I really did think that was a bit of a absolute excellent podcasting. But there has been a couple of under pressures in the last few weeks as well that are, are right up there as well. I love that. I love the fact that you were giving that podcast the respect that it deserves by listening to it by 1.5 on, on terms of speed. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, um, I think it's really good to get, you know, those, you know, that, you know, the, the true element of what, what people went through. And Jim speaking about previous experiences as well. You know, it's educational and, you know, it'll educate the, the youth. And um, I, I agree. Um, uh, I, I like Scouse Tommies and uh, yep. So anyone who's not listened to it, go and listen to it. And also myself and Eddie were kind of speaking to this off about this off air as well. Maybe go and listen to Cam and Eddie, um, Cam and Lisa Marie's um, podcast as well on on the season review because Cam gives his detailed um, yeah account of what what he what they went through and what he witnessed as well. And you know maybe a, a different element of what what they experienced. So really really well worth a listen. You know to educate yourself and you know just get the true version of accounts of what happened and it was just truly horrific eddie um uh, hopefully we're going to get you on more podcasts that's the thing that we're going to make happen next season because we love having you on shows um uh, it's that time of season isn't it you know darwin days happened gags can no longer rinse and repeat that on social media <laughs> i wonder what he's going to do now uh, transfer window hopes and expectations well i 
I came up with these questions for a while ago, <laughs> and I've listened. I've listened. I've listened to all of these shows, and I think hopes and expectations are the biggest contradictory words in this whole thing because we are Liverpool fans, and we know that our expectations, well, the expectations of what are going to happen, are so far grounded from the hopes that we have for these transfer windows. So, in, in, in one of those things, it's like I came up with it, and then I thought to myself when I started hearing you saying it to people, and then almost answering them as if, as if they are the same thing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite it's quite strange to hear them that way. So I'll treat them separately. I think uh, expectations are exactly what we're seeing. It's Liverpool going out, trying to trying to strengthen with the funds that they have, trying to keep a sustainable model. Obviously, we expect Sadio Mane to leave. A couple of others may leave. And then they've used that money already and invested it in in, in the strike force with, with, with Darwin Nunes. So, and then obviously we're hearing today that the Callum Ramsey fee has been agreed. We kind of heard a, a, about a week or so ago that, that that was going to be the case. So I think that's pretty much what expectations are. And I think Paul Joyce has already said today that Liverpool will focus on the midfield next year. Now you can kind of read between the smoke there and suggest that that's a, a targeted message at, at, at what's what's what they really expect to happen. Liverpool are comfortable with what they have and may not do anything until 2023. Well, when you hear that during a transfer window, you can almost decode that as meaning that Liverpool will still buy a midfielder this summer if an opportunity arises to do so at the sort of price that they feel is right for the sort of player that they feel is right. So reading between the decoding that that tweet that Paul Joyce did today, that would suggest that's the case. And that's where it more comes down to the hope part of your question, which is uh, would, what would we like to see happen? And very much so, I would like to see a midfielder feel that happen because one of the things I really liked about the sort of balls to the wall signing of Luis Diaz in January was we went into the second half of the season with a rich number of players like we've never known really before in terms of the quality that they offered to be able to change games from the bench to be able to compete on all four fronts with a few changes here or there but not the overall product and the output of the team dropping. I mean, that Southampton game, we could easily say that was our favourite game of the season because Liverpool made nine changes from the FA Cup winning side and still looked like Liverpool and still won like Liverpool. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, and that's why I think we really do need to go and buy a midfielder because I don't think we can give Man City an edge. We just can't. They're absolutely relentless. They're they're very machine-like and uh, we have to go and do what we did the season we won the league, which was we have to just go right out from the crunch. We need to accept, I think, other than the games against Man City away and probably Chelsea away, if you like, if any game is uh, equal, if, if it looks like being a draw on 80 minutes... We've got to risk losing the game to try and win it. We can't. We can't accept draws. Draws have lost us two league titles in the past uh, in the past couple of seasons, and uh, we we can't accept that anymore. We have to accept that a draws are lost. So you may as well try and win the game, and more often than not, it will come off. So that's why I think that we have to go and strengthen in the midfield area. We have to go and buy an elite midfielder so that we have these options going into the season that we had. In the, in, in the previous season, the midfield, if you like, is I think Dave Hendrick said it on a few of his shows, midfield is probably what cost us the league this season. I hear you. I hear you. No, good shout. You, I almost thought you were going to answer the next question, but obviously it was a great season. We, we all enjoyed it, but we missed out on the two biggies right at the end. Um, and Gags has kind of put out his graphic, his, year, his annual graphic of um, the fixture list. So, um, we know how that's looking and obviously the Qatar World Cup in the winter as well. So 
Eddie, last question to you. What do you, what, what, what do you want? For, I mean, this is truly a remarkable special side, a squad. What are your hopes and expectations? I mean, what do you, I mean, they have to win stuff. Like, they have to. It, <laughs> you know, they, they're just too good to not win stuff. So what are your hopes and expectations for next season? What do you want them to see? What, what do you want them to kind of win? Well, the hopes are that we go one further in the two big ones, obviously. And mm-hmm. if that's at the expense of the two domestic cups that we won this this year, yes. then so be it. It's, it just that has to be the hope. The expectation is slightly different, though, because I don't think as Liverpool fans we can effectively act like spoiled children and say that uh, we expect to win the league because I don't think in this era of sports where sports washing is effectively being allowed to happen right in front of our eyes that we can expect to win the league because... I think the default position is that Man City will win the league. I think we have to accept that that is the default position. And it will only be if Liverpool do something absolutely miraculous that that won't be the case. Because they have so, their resources are so in excess of ours. And I think that that's where you can't say that, or you can't look at them and say, oh, they're doing this sports washing and it's ridiculous that they're able to get this guy and this guy. And then say that, but I expect Liverpool to win the league because it's completely unrealistic. So your expectation can't be that Liverpool win the league. Your hope can be that Liverpool win the league. And that's the hope that I'll go into the season with. But my expectation is is the default. Man City win every league unless something absolutely miraculous happens. And hopefully we're the guys that that are able to do that. It's so true. I mean, like, I know, like, you know, rival fans absolutely detest us and they like rejoicing like Man City winning the league over us and stuff and, and we saw it all over social media but if it wasn't for Liverpool and this team you would have such a boring league and nobody... that's because they don't know isn't it though Nina that's because yeah. they don't know any Man City fans you know yeah. what I mean they don't go yeah. people, people all over the world aren't going into their local pubs Liverpool fans, Man United fans, Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans, these people, Everton fans, these Spurs, these these are the pe- these are the teams that people support in the pubs yes. all around and bars all around the world. So they can all accept Man City winning it because it's almost like, well, no one won it. You know yes. what I mean? It's just, yeah. it, they're so irrelevant to football fans that it, it really doesn't matter. It's almost just a sideshow. And because there's no jeopardy involved in Man City winning the league, we would be the same. Honestly, we would be exactly the same if it was Man United going up against Man City and we were further back. We would want Man City to win. What were you like? Like, here's a question for you. What were you like the day that Aguero scored that winner against QPR that won them the league and deprived Man United of it? What was your emotional state? I celebrated it. I can't lie. <laughs> I, exactly. I we all I did. Lie. I, I did. Do you know what I mean? I did. And it's, it, yeah, I, I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. You know, um, I didn't even think about it like that. But yes, and um, I'm, I mean, like, again, though, but, you know, for people who watch, who watch the Premier League, you know, Liverpool make it interesting. The fact that it went down to the last game of the season when they were 14, 14 points clear. You know, if Liverpool don't do that, you know, it's, they've won it by, you know, Feb. You know, it's done and dusted. Yeah, everyone's focused on, everyone becomes focused on the battle for top four and the relegation battle. That's all that would have been left. Yeah. And, you know, and then you've just got another, you know, you've got another situation like League uh, where Paris Saint-Germain, I was watching Paris Saint-Germain a bit this season and they were losing games, you know, to, you know, rubbish teams, but it didn't even matter because they were so, so far ahead in the league that it didn't even matter to them. And, you know, the same in the Bundesliga with, like, you know, Bayern Munich and stuff. So, no, you know, I love the fact that we... I mean, I love it naturally because I'm a Liverpool supporter, but, you know, I think people need to kind of give a lot of respect to this Liverpool side. Eddie, um, 
thank you. That was just me just going on a, on a ramble. Eddie, thank you so much for that. Pleasure. It's nice to nice to come on and talk about the season because it has been one that uh, it has been one that we should remember. We should be we should be very grateful for the team that we have and for the manager that we have and for all the people that work behind the scenes at, at Liverpool for what we have because effectively that's what gives platforms like ours the opportunity to uh, produce the content we do and to build the community element like we have on Discord or on the social networks and things like that. And uh, it's been gr- that's been all part of the journey for us now, isn't it? It's all part of being a fan, mm-hmm. being able to go and share this experience on these platforms and to uh, to mix and mingle with other Liverpool fans, whether it be on podcast speaking like we're doing just now or whether that be chatting on Discord or replying to tweets, sharing tweets, posting on Facebook, whatever you choose to do. Then, uh, then, then we're in a. I think we're in a very fortunate position as Liverpool fans. We're very much in a golden age of of yes. fandom, and uh, long may that continue. Absolutely, absolutely. I could not agree more. Right, guys. So that was Eddie Gibbs giving his thoughts on the season. Um, uh, if you're on Discord, please interact with us. Give us your thoughts. What were your favourite moments? Worst moments? Player of the season? Favourite podcast you've enjoyed? On Twitter as well, please, you know, share, you know, share your thoughts and opinions. We'd love to hear from you. Guys, we're just going to take a little break. I'm going to put the kettle on. I'll be back for part two with my next guest. So stay tuned. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Season Review podcast. I hope you enjoyed that little break. Put the kettle on and um, we're on for part two now. So we spoke to the King of Scotland, the boss of AI, and now it's only fitting that I bring on the the silent boss and, uh, you know, almost like the John Wick of Anfield Index just sneaks in as and when he needs to. And you know what? It was quite hard getting him on this podcast, but I feel so smug right now. You know, um, it is... um, it's somebody that we all know on Anfield Index. Doesn't get on an awful lot of podcasts, but we need to change that. It is Mr. Greg Hop- Hopcroft. Welcome to the show. Hello, Nina. Thank you for having me. You know what? Um, I am so thrilled to have you on. And you know what? Because you're such a mysterious character and you don't tweet an awful lot and you keep your cards close to your chest. So I am so excited to get these questions from you because, um, uh, you know, I think there'll be a lot of surprises, and um, I'm intrigued. So, um, Greg, no surprises. Just, just Mister Quiet in the background. Just keeping it, keeping it calm. Just keeping it calm till the very end. So, um, first question, Greg. Uh, season overview thoughts. Um, you know, obviously, we've had a we've had a little break from the football season now, and you know, um, I don't think as a whole we have knee jerk reactions, but um, you know. If you could just summarise the whole season, what it meant for you and what it meant for the, just, um, uh, you know, where this um, club is going and where this team is going. Yeah, so I think overall it's been a, a good season, a very good season. Um, obviously the end was you know, a bit of a flat, flat, flattener, but two trophies in the cabinet, very close in the league and obviously the Champions League final. So I think overall it's been a very good season. Um had we got the, the two at the end, it would have been a magnificent season. But quite happy if we'd taken that at the start of the season. I'm sure um, we, we would have accepted that. Um, it just needs to now to, to push on and move forward and keep challenging. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's quite... Um, I don't know. I know, like, 
you know, of course, you know, the, the big two we missed out on, but I think it, it's kind of quite big as well that, you know, because uh, Klopp has that, um, I don't know, reputation with the pundits that he doesn't take the lead, you know, the domestic cup seriously. Yeah. And I think that was quite good that this season actually we won them both. Yeah, nailed, nailed the two of them. That was that was a big thing. I, I was actually at the Carabao final myself mm-hmm. and that that in itself was, was fantastic. The atmosphere and, you know, just the general day out was, was awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and great to come away with the silverware at the end of the day. No, it's wonderful. And, you know, lucky you to see this team kind of lift some kind of, you know, lift uh, some silverware and uh, they are absolutely worthy of it. Right, Greg, uh your favourite match, you know, the match that kind of stands out for you. Uh, and of course, it can be in any of the cups because you played in <laughs> all of them. So, you know, basically the world is yours. So if you could pick one match that kind of stands out for you this season, which one would it um, be like? I think there's probably a couple that need mention. Mm-hmm. Um, both involve Man United. Um, of course. The, the away <laughs> win 5-0 and then the home win 4-0. So 9-0 in aggregate was a, a decent couple of, couple of games. Um, but I think my favourite one was the Carabao final. Um, just the the general day out. We met up with Gags, um, Harinder. We had some lunch, calm as well. Myself and Eddie um, had some lunch, a day out, and you know the final itself was was decent. Went all the way to extra time, then penalties, and then we had the the comical situation with the the goalkeeper change. Mm-hmm. Um, every penalty being scored, it was just an emotional roller coaster, and then. Obviously, the penalty was missed at the end. So it was just, you know, one of those days. It was just an absolutely fantastic trip. Um, and yeah, the, the match was memorable. Just the whole, the whole thing will live long in the memory. You know what? Um, uh, spoiler alert, but Eddie kind of mentioned that as well. And um, <laughs> I, for Eddie, why it was, um, I think he put it down as his favourite moment. I think for him, why he enjoyed that so much was because it was the first time he got out of Scotland um, since obviously the whole pandemic <laughs> and he kind of met up with you guys and it, it felt like a very, very real football experience to him. So, um, yeah, so you two are on the same I think the whole, the, the whole thing as well, because we had, we had issues... British Airways were having issues. We were flying down with British Airways and we were supposed to be flying down the morning of the game um, mm. and there was all cancellations. And the day before, me and him were like, nah, come on, we're going to change our flight. So we changed and flew down the night before, um, stayed the night in London. Um, fortunately, because our flight the next day was actually cancelled, so we, we wouldn't have got down or, or we would have had to try and make other arrangements very quickly. Um, so the whole thing was just a bit of a kind of head rush and kind of trying to get through everything, get sort of get accommodation um, and then obviously get to the game. And then we had the sleeper train back up at night as well. So we're straight back to Scotland after the game. Um, so, yeah, it was just the whole thing, as I say, as well as the, the excitement of the match. It was certainly, that's my favourite match of the season, definitely. I like that. I like that. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm blessed that you kind of um, anticipated that maybe we should get an early flight because yours was cancelled. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like a mad rush. And uh, meeting up with Cam and Harinder and Gags as well, that's a, a, a nice little... It was, actually, it was actually the first time I'd met Gags in person. Um, I think it was the first time Eddie had met Gags in the UK. They had met at finals in various countries, but um, it was the first time I had actually physically met Gags in person, which was a funny one as well. 
I wish you kind of took a picture together, like the tallest and the shortest. <laughs> I would just love to see just that reference, you know. I shouldn't take the mick out gags because he's actually taller than me, so I need to show up and stay humble. But yeah, we, the, your reputation, uh, Greg, we, we know you are the tallest man on AI. Like, he's eight foot tall, people. That's what I heard. Legend has it. But, eight, foot uh, you, two. eight foot two. Eight foot two. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> right. Okay, so that, that was your favourite match, your favourite moment from the season. Favourite moment? Um, I can't really use the same one again, can I? Um, I think it's hard to say. Um, probably the, the 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 kind of after effect of of winning the cups um, was obviously was obviously a big thing. Listen to some of the pods and the feedback from the guys. Um, I didn't make it to the FA Cup final, um, but hearing things that were going on, and I, I think my favourite moment was probably gags having a tire blowout. Um, yes. and having all, all the hassles he had to try and get to the match and things and obviously made it and then um, again it was worth it in the end for, for him there's always a story to tell and um, hearing that it had a tyre blow it was, was incredible and then for them to go in and win the win the, the cup was, was fantastic So there you go Gags uh, Greg's favourite moment was your mini misfortune uh, how do you feel about that but no I, I love that part <laughs> It's actually I put that down as one of my favourite podcasts of um, of the season because I just yep. could not stop laughing at them two. They are just so daft together. I felt like I was there, and Cam just being Cam. So yeah, okay, yeah, that that is a favourite moment. That despite all of Gag's inconveniences, he made it because he's he's just strong minded like that. Right, Greg, I'm going to take you on a bit of an emotional roller coaster here because this is what we do on this podcast. So, you know, we, we spoke about some of your best moments and your favourite match, but what was your worst match? I think probably the obvious, I think most people will probably say the same one is, is um, obviously in Paris. Um, mm. Obviously, the match itself was disappointing. Um, so many chances created. Courtois had the, the match of his life. Um I think also everything that surrounded the match generally for everyone that, w- that was going, um, you know, mm. just it was just a general dampener and a downer on sports. Should have been such a huge, massive occasion for yeah. for both sets of fans. To be fair, um, and having heard, heard the stories from from previous finals and um, you know the, the kind of party atmosphere and everything that was going on, mm. Paris just seems to have been the complete opposite, which is just such a horrible, horrible thing for for people to experience. Um, and obviously, on the match front itself, as I say, we were fantastic you know weren't at our best but created enough chances to win any game any any day of the week um and for him to have the the match of his life was just unbelievable and then obviously they get the goal and then camp in and that's that's what they're good at get the goal and then just park the buses the same um which couldn't break them down yeah it's funny you say that because uh Obviously, Eddie was on the first part of this podcast, which you'll get to listen to, um, uh, Greg in due course, and, every, and obviously listeners have listened to it. But we spoke about that game. And uh, what was so, so bizarre was, of, of course, you said, you know, they, they, they scared us a little in the first half. And then they obviously were clinical in the second. But what was absolutely shocking and, you know, for Eddie, that was like a worst moment was he goes within 20 minutes. I had pretty much... Um, I, accepted the fact that Liverpool might not score here and to be a Liverpool supporter and you know there's been so many miracles and you know we've scored so many last minute goals but you know 20 minutes left to the game and you know thinking that I can't see you scoring because we just with this team this team in particular the players that yeah Mm -hmm. it's just it's unheard of really they have that feeling it's just so strange 
Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what he said. And I, and I was like, I, I completely get it because even for me, after a bit, I was like, I don't think anything's going in. Like you've highlighted there, Courtois just having the game of his life. And, you know, and Eddie kind of highlighted that, you know, this with this team and these set of strikers, we've not really relied on like miracles or worldies or like, you know, like a Gerard Olympiakos yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. We've just been so clinical and just the fatigue and obviously playing so many games, you know, the players looking jaded. The fact that, you know, towards the end, you know, the attack just started looking a little bit blunt. And I think that was quite costly. And obviously, you know, the, the link up play between the midfield and the attack wasn't overly great as well. But yeah. I, I completely get that. That was a, a, you know, it was a horrible, horrible feeling. So um, you've kind of touched on Paris there as well. And uh, a lot of people, and naturally that was their like worst moment of the season, you know, just, you know, for, you know, some of our our contributors that were actually there, the fans as a whole that were there, us at home watching, just reading the nonsense that was coming up on the screen and then seeing the honest account of what was actually going on yep. in terms of the fans being there. And, and you know, I always like, I don't know, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Sometimes I find it absolutely like a pain in the backside, but this is where it really came through because you saw so many risks you know, proper real information. Yeah, real, real, yeah, yeah, real information coming out, not from Liverpool-based journalists, from you know no. the, the big pundits, and that kind of put the record straight, and it kind of busted, uh, busted a lot of myths for me. But yep. uh, again, would would that be your worst moment of the season, or have you got something else that you kind of um, want to highlight as well? No, again, I think that was definitely the worst moment, and that mm. you know I wasn't there, but you know you just feel for every single one that were, that were there, and you just put yourself in their shoes. Mm. Um, young kids, you know, yep. getting the treatment that they got, and then, you know all these kind of things. And you go out and they've spent so much money and so much effort to to get there, and their tickets, their accommodation, to have, as I say, a party. Um, looking at some of the videos beforehand, with the, like say the Jamie Webster stuff and things, the fun, you know, they were having a ball. They were having an absolute party, mm. um, and it's gone from one extreme just to flatlining them. Um, some of them not getting in, some of them getting treated like. Animals, really, Um, caged animals. Mm. Um, I think that's just a a horrible, horrible situation. And you just hope it doesn't put people off, um, you know, following following the team in future. Um, I think it will certainly put a lot of people off going to Paris if it ever is is back in Paris again. But, um, yeah, the authorities certainly have a lot to answer for. And their reaction to the the whole thing was just abysmal as well. And to basically blame the Liverpool fans, um, obviously it was the easy option for them at the time. but they obviously had to backtrack once the, the real information came out and the real videos and pictures kind of surfaced. It's, it, it became clear that it wasn't the situation and they were treated like animals. That's that's the bottom line. Absolutely. It was absolutely disgusting. And, you know, when you lose a final and the fact that the, the, the loss was literally like, it was like, it didn't even factor in. You were just more bothered about the supporters because you saw the police line up yeah, on, yeah. on the local side of things. You know, the fact that, you know, we've lost the final and that was secondary. We we didn't really, we were just more concerned about what was going on with the supporters, which, yeah. you know, and I think that just speaks volumes when, you know, you're not even that disappointed that you lost the final. You're more concerned about people's welfare and safety. Um right. yep, I, I completely and hopefully I think um, the, I think the other I think the other one that maybe needs mentioned as a kind of disappointing moment was kind of halfway through the match at the Etihad in the final, final day of the season and, you know, Aston Villa 2-0 up and you kind of get your hopes up at that point. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was it was swiftly, swiftly withdrawn by Man City who, who kind of got things back on track and 
obviously they're a, they're a fantastic team. There's no taking that away from them. Um, and you know, spending hundreds of millions on on in, individual players. Yeah. Um, they've certainly got the the squad, and again, they're going to be setting the pace for next season. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think um, I think Guy highlighted that one as well as like his worst match, just, you know, living through those two emotions of Liverpool not doing their business and Aston Villa being 2-0 up and yeah. he's completely losing it with his dad and stuff. So, uh, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think Guy, Guy is a funny one. He's got, he's got a, a, a bone to pick with Man City, especially these £100 million fullbacks that they keep buying. I think that's <laughs> yeah. one of Guy's favourite quotes. <laughs> yeah. It, actually, yeah. Um, uh, so, yep, Guy Dream um, that's um, that Sky Drinkle, and uh, yeah, um, I love the fact that you know. Um, well, I don't love the fact, but it's it's quite telling that we've had such a remarkable season, and the two worst moments are literally on the end. The last game of the season yeah, was right. the mm-hmm. Champions League final, which goes to show just how remarkable this season actually was as a whole. Right, Greg, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, back on happy notes, um, Player of the Year. If you could give an award to one player who kind of stood out for you. Um, you know, we've had some, it's been a great season and uh, you know, we've got a great team, great squad. You know, players have, you know, stepped up when they needed to at different moments. But if you could just pick one guy for the um, entire season, who would it be and why? I think there's been a few contributors and I think there's mm-hmm. been a few that have, have, have played well uh, through the season and the obvious candidates. Um, but to be honest, I think my, my player of the season would go to Alisson. Um, I just think for his overall performance, you know, performances generally, the, the solidity at the back can generally be relied on shot stopping, catching, um, distribution all round. You know, and it, it, in terms of the league campaign, he certainly you know won us a few points at the end of the day. Um, the obvious candidates at the front end score goals, etc. But you know, I, I do think Alisson would get my vote um, just for his. Consistency in, in general terms, it's rare for them to make any major mistakes. And obviously, as goalkeepers, when they do, they kind of get highlighted. Um, yes. But I think he is very, very consistent and played, I mean, played every game, I think, didn't he, in the, in the league? Um, or, or near enough, anyway. Um, certainly, he would, he would be my vote for, for player of the season. You know what, Alison Becker's been getting a lot of love um, on on the player of the season, which is is remarkable. And just Greg, just on a side note, how amazing is it to have such a solid world class keeper? You know, it oh, just makes a difference, doesn't it? It definitely does, and it it, ma- it makes a huge difference. I think it gives confidence, especially mm-hmm. to the back four. You know, when, when he's behind them, um, mopping up things, and yes. even if if players do get past the defence, then he's there to to stand tall and generally try and, you know, save things. And obviously it doesn't always work. They lose goals, it happens, but yeah. um, he's Mr. Reliable. But I think the moment in the Everton game was also a funny one with, when, yes. he, when he mocked Pickford. That was that was um, <laughs> yes. absolute classic. <laughs> yeah, because it's so out of character, right? He's yeah, so absolutely. spiritual and so religious and he just, just seems like such a, a well-rooted guy. And then for him to do that, and my favourite moment was, was the fact that they panned the camera to Pickford yeah. and he looks so <laughs> embarrassed. And I think that will stay along with me forever. Like that is like an iconic moment and another kind of a moment. which obviously After, after he looked so smug when he did it, that was yes. the point. They kind of yes. zoomed in and he was looking so smug with a little wink and the smile. And, yeah. and then he zoomed, the, the panned into him as you say when Alison did that and you think haha there you go yeah if there was karma yeah it absolutely life does come <laughs> at you fast and yeah you're absolutely spot on about Alison and I think you know he just so compliments our defence 
they were able to play that high line because like he said he likes that space and he likes to sweep up um Alison Becker is is a great great shout Greg um Absolutely. a lot of a lot of people and longer may it continue because we you know it's very important to have um you know a solid keeper um in between the sticks right next one um I know you listen to a fair bit of podcasts as well because you're always giving us kind of feedback and you know um sharing your thoughts AI podcasts that you've enjoyed listening to. I'm not going to ask you about taking part because this is the only one. Um, uh, <laughs> so, uh, podcasts that you've enjoyed listening to. I listen to the I listen to quite a few, and I, mm. I do like the whole range of podcasts. I think probably my my I won't say a specific one, but my my, my favourite show I think is is um, the Raw podcast um, with mm. Trev um, Trev and Dave, and, and obviously rotating guests. I think that's my favourite kind of raw kind of feeling after a match, whether it be win, lose, draw, they're 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 there giving their feedback and um hats off to them again after Paris. I listened to that one and it was it was hard going for them um you know to try and stay positive in, in, in that situation. Um but I think generally the, the raw I, I do find the raw one you know very very insightful to get their kind of after match analysis. Um but I tend to listen to them through the week kind of you know three, yeah. four days after the match. Um, so you kind of get the, the general media feedback, you kind of get the general, you know, what everyone thinks, but it's good to get there kind of straight after the match review, um, which is quite often, quite often, you know, right in, in, in my opinion. Um, sometimes it's wrong, but yeah, we can't, can't all get it all right all the time. No, I, I have to agree with you. I think the Royal Podcast is absolutely fantastic. And what abs- I find absolutely shocking about them guys, and maybe like they're just on, a, on another level is a, uh, is the fact that you know, like it is literally raw reaction. So you literally finish the game, you get on yep. to record a pod, and there's Trev Downey talking minute by minute play. And I'm like, how have you got these? Like, how? <laughs> like, how do you do this? So I am um in awe and amazed at you know the, the level that goes into it, you know, because I'm just so knee-jerky. So, you know, I tilt my hat and I respect to those guys because it is truly a not only do you get the emotion, but you get a lot of insight as well. That's right. Uh, yeah, you know. real, real, true insight, and it's, mm-hmm. it's as I say, it's generally correct, and yeah. a, lot, a lot of it's opinion based. And that's the problem, and you know they do often disagree with things with each other as well. Um, yeah. and, and it is exactly that it's raw, and it's and it's opinion. So everybody has their own opinion on things, and everybody sees things differently. Absolutely, um, so it's good to see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, if you're listening to this podcast and, you know, if you're listening on, on the free side of things and we do check out, you know, the podcast and certainly Raw when the season kicks off as well, I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, I'm sure you listen to it anyway, listeners, but yeah, it's um, it's a solid podcast. Right, Greg, um, it's that time of the season. Um, of course, you know, uh, Nunez has been done and dusted. We're happy with that. I think that was, I was watching that final and we know like when Eddie was saying like 20 minutes in, like he was thinking, mm, we can't see the scoring. I just felt like we just needed a bit of a target man. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just to kind of, um, you know, to connect with some of those crosses that, you know, Trent was putting in and, and whatnot. And, you know, just just to give us that bit more. Um, something a little bit different. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just something mm-hmm. in the attack. And obviously it looks like Liverpool have addressed that, which is awesome. So, um, what are your um, transfer window hopes and expectations? I don't know if there's going to be much more to Boris. You've kind of caught me now after the, the main business is done, I think. Um, and I do I do think uh, Darwin Nunes is a, a fantastic signing. Um, I'd never really watched him or followed him before. Um, but obviously when he was mentioned and things, you start looking into players and you have a look at what they're like and 
Um, obviously, we've spoken about them quite a bit on the, the transfer committee pod, and um, obviously, again, more information was found. I thought, I think it's a great signing, absolutely fantastic signing. Be interesting to see how how the other guys. Well, they've, they've obviously just signed a a young Scottish guy yesterday uh, from Aberdeen. Mm. Um, four and a half million reputedly was the was the figure. Um, be interesting to see if he's another Andy Robertson, perhaps you know, one for the future, um, or whether he's going to slot straight in. Um, as I say, I don't think there's going to be much more done in, in the transfer window. Obviously, Manny's a, an ongoing saga, whether that's going to be done or not. Um, and I see there's reports about Firmino perhaps leaving as well, but um looks like he'll probably see it the last year of his contract. Um, but Manny looks like he's he's on his way. Um, but I think, obviously, the signing of Diaz in January was a massive one. I think he's fitted in and slotted in fantastically well. Um Pardon the pun, but, you know, those players, you know, as they are getting older, it's really, really positive that Liverpool are looking to kind of the next evolution. And I say pardon the pun, because, you know, Darwin, Gags, Darwin, they're shooting up about it. This is a sign of a successful team, though, right? You can't just keep having the same players and hoping, hoping, hoping. Absolutely. I think it's it's positive. and We can't generally fault the signing policies. And even the likes of when when they signed Diego Jota, you think... Mm, okay, you know, but he again has just come in and fitted in fantastically well with the system and, and you know, it, it enables the squad rotation, which I think then enables competing in four, four trophies at the end of the last season. So, you know, you can't fault Klopp. The fact that we've extended his contract is also another major, major uh, coup for the, the club, in my opinion, because um, he would be very difficult to replace. Um, and I think just generally the club is doing well and moving in the right direction, which I think is positive for for all supporters. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, attracting targets has probably been a lot easier since like Jurgen Klopp has signed that contract as well. I think that's yeah. probably like the, 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 probably the signing, you know, the fact that, you know, we, we have some certainty in our, in our future and, you know, what's going on there, um, done and dusted. Right. Um, uh, Greg, last question. So, you know, um, you know, Liverpool were pretty much challenging on all fronts, played every game humanly possible this season and um, won two trophies, missed out on the two biggies. This team is truly exceptional. Uh, it goes without saying this squad is exceptional. It goes without saying. What are your hopes and expectations for next season? I mean, Gags has released the fixture list. Of course, we've got a World Cup in the winter as well. There's going to be a lot going on. So what, what do you want Liverpool to kind of chat, to challenge for and what can you see them realistically kind of winning? Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a strange season this season with the with the World Cup mid mm. mid season obviously. So there's effectively a mid season break, and obviously quite a few of the players haven't qualified, so that that may may assist because they'll get a, a mid season break effectively. Um, obviously, I'd like to see challenging in, on all four fronts again, um, but I would like a good run, good run in the Champions League, um, and to be challenging Man City. Get off to a good start. I think that's key. Get off to a good start early in the season and. Try and turn some of these little, you know, draw matches into wins, and keep competing with Man City. At the end of the day, they're going to be favourites for the league. There's no doubt about it. Um, but you know, to be able to challenge, and be interesting to see what other challenges come from likes of Chelsea um, behind us. Um, but my hopes would be look to challenge in the league, definitely get into the latter stage of the Champions League again, semi final, hopefully final again. Final in Istanbul would be a good one, um, and then. Two domestic cups, you know, it'd be good to win them again. I don't see that as the be all and end all. Yeah. I think that the aim, the aim has to be the the league and the, the Champions League. 
Um, and if the two the two domestic cups come along as well, then all the better. You know, we'll take them. We're not going to say no. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you kind of highlighted that Liverpool need to start off, um, at, um, at, you know, pretty much um on the front foot, from on the front foot at the beginning of the season. I think that's absolutely important because when you look back to the season that Liverpool actually won the league, Liverpool were in like this crazy form where they were just winning every single game, and yeah. you know that put us in good stead for us to win this, you know, win win the league because obviously when we came back after the pandemic, when we were playing football behind closed doors, obviously Liverpool didn't look themselves. But that was very important. That's where City were kind of dropping points. I remember, I think City lost to Norwich. I think they lost to Wolves. You know, they had some disappointing results. And this season, if you kind of look back, of course, it was the time when I was away from football and I had personal things going on. But, um, you know, there were some really, really sloppy draws from the, the Reds this season. Yeah, you know, I think that, like, that's, a, yeah. Really, that's, a, that's a difference at the end of the season. Yeah. That's what's, you know, cost us. Yeah. Uh, so I think a, a positive start to the season is absolutely crucial, and I'm glad you highlighted that. And and yeah, uh, and Eddie kind of mentioned it as well. Everyone expects City to win the league, and you know if we don't challenge like that, this league is just basically like a Bundesliga or a league uh, in France. You know there isn't much going on, so it's very you know it's important for the league that Liverpool challenge. And of course, as Liverpool supporters, we want to you know absolutely you know this this team is worthy of winning the big silverware and we want that um could, could not agree more um greg greg well that was a really really good chat good i'm glad to have made my season's debut I know, you know, better late than never, eh, <laughs> eh listeners? But um, guys, that was that was Greg and Eddie with their um, hot picks for the season. Um, if you're on Discord, by all means, interact with us. Let us know your thoughts. Who was, you know, your favorite moments, your worst moments, your favorite player, your, you know, your favorite podcast. Please, you know, interact with us. Also on Twitter as well, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. Give us your feedback. Um, Till next time, take care and up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.